right in front of him. Crowd are looking, throws it alley. Oh! Welcome into the Just Basketball Show. I am Chris Manning. That is Brendan Clean. This is your episode for Friday, June 16th. Today's show, the focus is going to be the 10 people, could be players, executives, whatever, that will decide the NBA summer. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review us on your podcast platform of choice and hit that notification bell on YouTube as well. Brendan. The offseason is here. The Denver Nuggets obviously won the NBA title. The parade did look like a lot of fun. Can we just hit on this for a moment? I I enjoy all of the shit talking going on. I texted you this, that this gave me some 2016 Cavs title vibe in terms of a small market city that hadn't won a title in a long time or ever. Getting to just let loose. I mean, you also got, I mean, the, the WWE belt was there. You had KCP doing what Kevin Love did in 2016 with the the Stone Cold Steve Austin beer, just inhaling beer, uh, yep. which I am. And Robbie Callen, friend of, and you know, he may not know this, but friend of the pod did have a, he wrote out the Steve Austin, had another beer and, and like the whole, that whole gimmick in his, in his tweet, which I found quite enjoyable. The parade looked like a lot of fun and, and especially for Michael Malone, I think maybe more than anybody else. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, Michael Malone, I think that one was for the Kings who fired him. I think it was for anyone who ever told him he's only in the league because of his dad. I think it's it for anyone who ever, you know, said he should have been fired or that they didn't have it. It's just cool when it's the first time that a, a franchise wins a title. I mean, there's no way uh, around that moment being more special than other ones. It's just, it just is what it is. But uh, yeah, Nikola Jokic coming around on parades was a highlight going from the big sigh that he had on the podium after winning the finals of like, shit, that's on Thursday to, okay, I like parade. And he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't pluralize it, which I actually think is just how we should just say that word from now on there. They're the plural of parade is parade. Uh, just because Joker said it's, uh, it's that way, but yeah, uh, shouts to them. Shouts to the city of Denver. They filled up the, it actually, some of the pictures just cause they were outside of like a government building it took me back to 2016 when somebody lied about how many people were in DC for a certain event. And I thought you were going to reference. No, no, yeah, no, I thought you were going to. I was about to be like, whoa. Yeah. Let's just say there were more people there than there were for uh, for that event uh, back in. You know, I guess it was 2017, right? But yeah. So uh, look, the the Nuggets are the team to beat, and all the teams that we're going to talk about today, I think, need to be able to beat those guys. I did it. It does seem like Bruce Brown very much wants to stay in Denver and Denver wants him to stay in Denver. And I'm curious to see if that removed. He's not on, on my list. Maybe he's on yours after the finals and and whatever. But he he if he's no, unfortunately, like, unfortunately, kinda... we're, we're, we're pulling bigger fish than Bruce Brown. I mean, I'm very interested to see where he ends up. He did fill the J.R. Smith void. If you're making the Cavs comp of being yeah. the most shirtless of all the people involved in the parade. But um, no, he's uh, I hope he stays. I kind of don't think he should personally. I want I want that man to get paid. Yeah, he has a player option for like six plus million dollars. He I think he could probably get more than that, at least on like the MLE. Um, they can only but, pay him like eight too. like they're only allowed to pay him eight. because yeah. They don't have his bird rights. So like good vibes. Enjoy your parade. And then, uh, you know, go to Houston or whatever and make like twelve nah, million million well, a year. Well, he might get more. He could probably get more money. If he goes to Houston, because they're just uh, we'll talk about Houston, I, I am sure on the show. Other bit of news just want to hit on Paige Beckers, the UConn star, the women's basketball star, 
said this week that she is working her way back. She is very close, she told reporters, uh, this is from ESPN, to being fully cleared. Said she's feeling, quote, really good. She's about the 10-month mark of the injury. Said she's in no rush. This is, unless we forget, was the 2020-2021 National Player of the Year is one of the most exciting players in women's basketball. And if she's back and healthy, Brennan, number one, that's really good for her. That's really good for the UConn Huskies. That is good if you feel like basketball. But secondly, all the talent in women's back college basketball next year. Paige Beckers, Kaylin Clark, ever heard of her? Angel Reese, Haley Van Lith going to, to LSU now. Cameron Brink at Stanford. We could just be headed for this incredible star-studded season. And it just, it was already going to be that. But it goes up another level if you get Paige Beckers, who was like a star in high school, who was like a a big deal in high school with Kat and D'Lo and Wolves players going to some of her high school games. If she's back and healthy, we're all much better off for it. Yep, agreed. We're planting the flag. We are uh, excited for the return of a great player. You heard it here first. But the thing that I was going to say that you actually just kind of are leading us to is the high school stuff. I don't know if people realize this, but it's going to, it's something that I hope a story gets written about. If I had a better writing job, I might try to do this myself, but I don't. So I won't. Uh, but did you realize that Jalen Suggs, Chet Holmgren uh, and Paige Beckers all went to the same high school? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Know so, so, the, so that's the it- kind of a big deal. I mean, Chet's coming back. Paige is coming back and Jalen Suggs, hopefully next year's the breakout. I love Jalen Suggs. Uh, number one, Martin Rickman, if you're listening to this, give Brennan a lot of money to do this for a dime. Yeah, sure. Actually, Secondly, they didn't all go to the same high school. They went to the same high school. They went to high school in the same area. The one that Paige went to actually is where Zeke Naji went. And yes. the reason I have this whole history is because I did profile Zeke Naji. So I profiled the least interesting person to go to this <laughs> high school. And then I've been uh, on it ever since. But uh, his sister or cousin now goes to the university of Arizona. She was a big high school recruit in the women's game. So there is like a weird thing going on in Northern Minnesota, uh, as far as a basketball hotbed. No, I put some respect on Zeke Naji's name, NBA champion, Zeke Naji, who did not see the court for the entirety of the NBA playoffs. Do, but does that matter? The respect. ring is still there. Sasha Khan, wherever he is now can be say, I won an NBA championship. Yeah. Okay. Like those, those things are limitless. The, the, I did know that because at the summer league where you and I hung out in Vegas together, mm-hmm. I don't know if I was with you at this at this point, but I just we I was walking on the strip, going somewhere, okay. and I was at least with our our friend Jordan Zerm, who does the social over at the Sporting News, and we just saw Paige Beckers like walking behind like there was like a protesters for like Taiwanese independence or or something, and, and like. And she just was like in the crowd, just like on accident, like just kind of like ended up like behind this yeah, mass of people. Don't, it, don't uh, affiliate her with <laughs> things that are going to get her in trouble. <laughs> yes. Watch but out. she's just like, we wa- know basketball she's just like, players and that dynamic has not gone well together. Well, yes. Uh, she's just walking like on the street, like in this crowd and like, oh yeah, it's Paige Beckers. And then like she was, every time I saw the magic play that summer league, she was there watching Jalen Suggs and Brendan uh, also Rest at that time. to that relationship. It's Haley Van Haley. Yeah. Well, Haley Van Lith was yeah. dating Jalen Suggs at the time. Yeah. So that that's the one I, I jumped the gun, but they're not together yeah. anymore. Haley and Haley and Jalen, it, it's it's over. But, you know, long live that 
But yeah, it's just kind of crazy how many connections there are there in, in, in northern Minnesota. But we're excited to see her back at UConn. We're excited to see her hopefully get drafted next year. Do, don't take the NIL money. Uh, entertain us in the WNBA page uh, next summer. But, you know, we'll see what happens. It should be a fun season. Yes. All right. Let's go on to the 10 players that are 10 people that are going to decide the NBA summer. What we're going to do with this is we're going to alternate back and forth. Name people. Brendan, you're going to go first. Okay. Uh, who who is your first nominee here? I don't. Th- and this is we sh- I should say is in no particular order. I don't necessarily think I'm going to nominate oh, the number one. Okay, then we'll we'll do it in order. So this will go number one. We'll jump around and and we'll, there will be some overlap. We'll know when there's overlap. But Brennan, kick us off. And I want everybody who gets lower and lower on the list if they ever catch wind of us talking about them. I want them to feel disrespected that they were not at the top of it. That's okay. how serious we are about the order. Um, so yeah, I took a sip of the coffee because it, it, it's a New Orleans mug. It's a you were here Starbucks New Orleans mug, and we're gonna start in uh, New Orleans with Zion Williamson is my number one. So I thought about doing David Griffin here because I think the real dynamic going on with the Pelicans actually includes much more than than Zion. I actually don't think he's the most likely player to get traded with all the rumors that are flying around about their pursuit of the number two overall pick. But I just think the, the Zion dyne, the, the of anybody who's like not impacting the on-court product of the NBA, I think Zion is probably like the single most interesting character in the league. I have this stat to just put into perspective where we are, because again, they are rumored to be pursuing Scoot Henderson, both Ingram and Zion potentially on the table in some of those negotiations. We can talk about which is more likely. But the stat that I have, Zion has played about 3,650 total minutes in his NBA career. That's 200 minutes fewer than Bam Adebayo played this season between the regular season and the playoffs. So Bam just got done with a run that accumulated almost as as many minutes as Zion played in his entire rookie contract total. And so that just makes it impossible to know where to go with this guy. But I think when he's healthy, he's one of the most overpowering, exciting talents the league has ever seen. So it's just a really interesting point. And with Pel- with the Pelicans tax and financial situation kind of catching up with them, I think this is kind of the moment where they start to make decisions that are going to impact what this team looks like down the road after building a really good young core. David Griffin was also also almost on my list. Uh, I did not. I knew you. Were, I had a very distinct feeling you were going to put Zion on this list, so I didn't put him on mine for the sake of. Was it the poster that you see every time we record of him that made you think maybe I had some interest? And, yeah. and just and just us talking about him and look, he is literally and figuratively like a large presence over this. His name has been linked to trade scenarios. A uh, friend of the program, Raphael Barlow, like said Houston has like talked about him. Like there's talk about like what did like this whole thing with Zion. And just also how little he's played, despite being this really tantalizing prospect and, and all the things he can do. It, it, it's like this really, I, I don't know if there is not a, there is not an exact match for like what we're looking at here with him. I think what makes it harder to, to talk about here, right? Like, I, I think that the fact that we don't, I, if you're another team, Brendan, I was thinking about this when, and thinking about the Pelicans. I don't know how you like look at Zion and from like a what you're going to get out of him standpoint, give like a proper valuation and almost make me like yeah. lowball David Griffin. Mm-hmm. But like, obviously, there's an if you're him, you say, well, it seems like they want Scoot. 
Like there's a lot of Pelicans want Scoot Buzz. Is like you can't you you need to get a certain pick for that probably three or two depending on on where how that shakes out. That this is just like a very complicated thing, and it all stems back to to me. If he wasn't this hurt, this wouldn't yeah. be a question. He would just be the best player in the Pelicans, and we'd be celebrating him now. But we aren't, what? and that's that's right with him. Do you think he would be an All NBA player if he didn't have health issues? I think he would almost have to be. Depending on where his defense defense was at, yes, but his offensive stuff would be so overwhelming that it's not hard to imagine him as an All-NBA guy if he'd actually played 65 games last season. I actually think the defense is kind of tied to the health in a way, you know? I I feel like what we saw at Duke was a pretty good defender when he was engaged and you know, in a in a system that suited him. They played zone a lot and stuff, but you know, I I think that he part of what's holding him back from playing defense, if you just watch them, and I was watching some highlights from a couple of their games early in the year when they were really good to start this past season. And he just doesn't athletically commit to playing defense. And I think if he was healthy, even that would get better. Um, So I thought about the same thing from a trade package standpoint and the best way that I could kind of come up with it. And this is just recent because I think trade stuff in the NBA has just gotten blown out to another level. It's kind of even hard to compare the past few years to any other point in NBA history. So the one that I could come up with that was recent was Ben Simmons. And not the Harden trade. Yeah. I mean, is it, I I don't mean that from a standpoint of his play. I think I mean it from the standpoint of the uncertainty around what you're getting. Yeah. I mean, if you think back to when Ben Simmons was on the, on the market, he was claiming both mental health and back in a both, in a severe way for both. And I don't think anybody bidding for him knew what exactly the situation was going to be like. And I actually don't think the Harden deal is very comparable because that ended up being more like the Sixers were trading for Harden rather than the other way around. But the the Sacramento trade that was on the table for a long time is the one that I was thinking of. Which, if you remember, was Halliburton, Heald, Barnes, and two firsts. That feels similar to what the Pelicans might end up getting for Zion, although obviously it being the number two overall pick if they were to go that route probably, you know, adds a little more value than what Sacramento was going to be able to give you. So maybe it's, you know, that takes the place of sort of the Halliburton slot or however you want to do it. Um, I just wonder how much you can really, how far you can really afford to go there Considering with Simmons, even it was a little hypothetical, whereas with Zion, it's just staring us in the face that there is a real chance that this dude is Greg Oden or something, and and his body is just preventing him from ever staying healthy. Um, And he hasn't even started his max extension. He agreed to it last summer, and it hasn't even started. So you're trading for a guy with hundreds of millions of dollars guaranteed that you might never get the value back for. Well, and and it's on that note, this is someone where I could see another team being like, yeah, that's that's an asset to us as well because we get a chance to have him, you know, on a contract and have him under team control. And then you could also look at it and say, that's really risky for us. Like, can we afford to do that for a guy who played 29 games last year, missed the entire year before? Like, and in, in when it feels like he's taken steps forward, he then has taken steps back. Like, I, I just don't know there are certain teams that i think could do it and should do it and and it's worth the risk 
I mean, but we're really only talking about Portland and Charlotte, right? Because if the Pelicans' interest is to get Scoot, then kind of has to be one of those. Do you think either one of them should do it? Charlotte should. Okay. I would do it if I'm Charlotte. I, I think I, if I'm Charlotte and you tell me I get to roll the dice on Zion with where I'm at, I think Zion's ceiling is just better than Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. You pair him with LaMelo, yes, you have some real financial risk in both those guys and, and basically kind of committing to them as your duo without having them seeing play the game because Melo is going to be contract extension eligible soon and is going to ask for the max, I'm sure. But I think Zion's ceiling is A, as to be better than LaMelo, and B, like, it would raise, it would just be such an, it would be a better ceiling for your team, I think, than Brandon Miller or Scoot. Is there, there's a lot of risk involved that could go very badly for you, but I, I think if I'm them, I would do it. I think Portland, the answer is probably no, just because that I think can't if be what you do to satisfy Dame. Hey, here's bingo. this guy you might never play with. Yeah, they're Portland, if they're going to do a trade like that, needs some certainty as much as you can get certainty. Uh, that Zion is, is not certainty. Zion, yeah. Zion is the opposite of certainty for any team that is looking to trade for him. So two interesting things here, and we can maybe talk about Ingram a little bit here too. Um, Zion is a Jordan brand athlete. Take or leave that. We don't even know how much longer Michael Jordan will be the managing partner of the Charlotte Hornets, but for now he is. Maybe that matters. Maybe more importantly, Brandon Ingram is a North Carolina guy born in North Carolina and was drafted by the current general manager of the Charlotte Hornets, Mitch Kupchak. And so I think that question is a little more interesting to me because this move is about resetting the team's clock more than anything else. And I don't know if that's getting talked about enough, but Shamit Dua has been doing a lot of good stuff in his In the Know newsletter that I, I read through today. And the really plugged in New Orleans people understand that this is much more about the fact that Ingram, Zion, and CJ make a ton of money and that Herb Jones and Trey Murphy are going to be pretty expensive players in their own right. Probably not max guys, but maybe Murphy could become that depending on how he plays this season. Um, and that this is about what is our future going to be and what can we reasonably afford to pay our best players if they're not going to be available and who should our best players be if they're not going to be, if the current ones aren't going to be available and Ingram follows into that as well. He just has not been healthy, even though he's obviously out there more than Zion. Um, would you trade the number two pick for Ingram if you're Charlotte? Is that a deal worth doing? I think so. Because I also think his ceiling, we know what it is, and I think he's gotten better and better and better. And I think he, he, you could feel pretty certain about him. I would probably do that if I'm Portland, if we wanted to say like Portland wanted to do it. I would do it for the third mm -hmm. pick too, if we yeah. wanted to lump them in there as well. I think that Ingram is a really good player. I like him probably more in Portland. I don't even really know yeah. why, but I guess... Well, it's because it's, it's you, know, you, you know what they too. are. But yeah. like, it's just you know what Portland is. If it's like, oh, it's, all right, then it's Dame. It's a core of Dame and probably resign Jeremy Grant and Brandon Ingram. You know what that is. If anything goes to the Hornets, I don't know what that is. We That team yeah. and franchise doesn't have a real identity at this current moment. <laughs> they have like... Uh, Terry Rozier and Cody Martin are the only two players on under contract the season after this one. So yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know what the Hornets are. Um, okay. So we both in agreement that 
Ingram seems maybe more likely to go in that both of those teams should probably still do that deal. It sounds like we're headed toward a change for New Orleans then. Which I think is okay. I, I think that is okay for them. I think it makes sense for them to try to do something a little bit different right now. Um, and I, I am sure kind of getting, knowing David Griffin a little bit and covering him in Cleveland and just kind of understanding his philosophy, I would not be surprised if he's looking for some kind of cultural figuring it out there a little bit. That, that would not surprise me. I have one last thing on Zion. If we're okay. assuming that he stays in New Orleans... I thought this was interesting. So a lot of the other stuff going on behind the scenes is related to the, co- uh, the training staff. And there was a really good article by Christian Clark at the Times-Picayune in, in New Orleans uh, like two weeks ago about the Pelicans firing Aaron Nelson, which he's the guy who in Phoenix got a ton of attention for helping with Michael Red and Shaq and a lot of these like reclamation projects in the mid-2000s during some of those seven seconds or less years um, and, and just kind of getting guys right physically in a way that they hadn't been able to be. They hired him when Griffin got there based on their connection from Phoenix. And then it apparently went awfully, but there was a quote in here from Stan Van Gundy from his time in new Orleans, which actually was Zion's most healthy season. And he said that he said, quote, when I got the job, I called coach K at Duke Van Gundy said, I remember him saying to me about Zion that, quote, Stan, the best way to get Zion in shape and get him ready is he needs to play. He needs to scrimmage in practice. He needs to play in games. He needs to play. And that was a big part of what Stan's problem was in New Orleans was it was the COVID year, like the worst of the worst COVID year when none of those teams were practicing because it was like, we're going to get each other sick or the schedule is so awful that we're just going to be exhausted all the time. We just, they couldn't practice, but he wanted to. But it also was the time when Zion was the healthiest. Um, and that just was interesting to me. I'm not going to pretend to be a sports scientist or any sort of Zion doctor, but sometimes that's what it takes. And I do think Zion's getting into a situation where it's just like, how is he even supposed to get in shape? You can get mad at him all you want that he doesn't take it seriously, which is code for, I don't know what I'm talking about when media people like to say that, but it's like the best way to get in basketball shape is probably to play basketball. And he just hasn't been able to do that because of these injuries. But it's just a weird kind of situation that he finds himself in where he can't stay healthy for long enough to be healthy. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a good place to end Zion. Let's move on to my first one, Brendan. That's a, a, a guy by the name of James Harden. Okay. This, this, this to me was... This to me is just... This is where we're the summer's big actual free agent domino. This might be more of a trade summer, but if we're talking about a guy whose decision, what he wants to do is going to dictate the fate of teams, it's James Harden. Does he want to go back to Philly? Does he actually go to Houston? There is now some like reporting like that. I don't know. He might be getting squeezed a little bit on both ends financially, which like that wouldn't surprise me. There are somehow rumors connecting him to my city, which I just take for nothing. But real people are talking about that, and I don't even know how it would work. So, yeah, it's, it's getting more confusing the closer we get to July 1st. And like, we will see where this goes. But like, if he stays in Philly, I still think there's moves for Philly to make. I think particularly if they can trade Tobias Harris in, in a pick or something for something else, it's like that would behoove them. But if he goes elsewhere, if he goes to the Houston Rockets and goes back to, to play on the Rockets, that I think tilts, that changes Philly's whole summer. And it, cha- and it will change their trade market and their aggressiveness and, and what their plans are. Do they, is the Beal race even open at that point and I'm sure we'll talk about Bradley Beal and the Washington Wizards at some point in doing this to me Harden just has the fate 
and the the well not the fate that's a little strong but he has the futures of both teams of of multiple teams specifically the one he's coming yeah. from who who don't really have a great means of replacing him one to one in his hands based on what he wants to do and to me he just held so much power over a team that that has the MVP there's just a lot at stake for for Philly and for the rest and for Houston I think with with what Harden decides he wants to do and wants to be. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't have a ton left to say about James Harden and where he actually chooses to go. It obviously is important. It obviously has a lot of impact on those two franchises. Like you mentioned, if if the Sixers lose him, what's their pivot? And then obviously with Houston, they're they're the single most team most like they're the single team most likely to make a massive spending mistake this summer. They are the team that if you are an agent of a free agent player, you're telling every reporter in sight that the Rockets are interested in your guy because that will drive up the price of your guy. That, that's how the Kings were for a long time when Andre Iguodala and Manu Ginobili just sort of uh, you know, used them like a punching bag and everything else. That's what the Rockets are right now, and the Sixers will have to figure something else out. Can I? Well, you're, they, you're, yeah, go ahead. Can I just? I'm just gonna give. I just want to give you my next one then because he's also related to the Houston Rockets. So that's Tillman freaking Fertitta. Tillman's okay. on my list. Tillman Fertitta is it kind of if you read the reporting about the Rockets, he is at the center of all the stuff they want to do, of all the the money they want to spend, of trying to be better than they were. This isn't like a Raphael Stone thing necessarily. It has felt like a Tillman Fertitta thing, and if he's willing to go spend money on. James Harden, maybe on Kyrie Irving, I guess, trade for Zion, give Dylan Brooks a big contract, probably more than he could get from any other team in the league is one of the, like they've been in Dylan Brooks. Is he going to give Brooke Lopez a lot of money? Like that's like Brooke Lopez has kind of been linked to, to Houston or is that a leverage play? Like what Houston does and how much money Tillman just decides to throw around is just going to like affect other teams in a direct way. Like for a team that is not very good and I do not think will be very good next year, and for an owner who like hasn't exactly uh, been the the best owner in the league at times, let's say, and in in Harden to link this back to Harden, a guy that hasn't always been the most dependable superstar, time in time made out, in heaven. They, these two guys could just like disrupt the entire league in their own ways, either together or separate. There's just like a lot of ripple effects that these two guys paired together in particular, I think, could have everywhere. Like Brendan, when I made this list. I just immediately was like, who's the person on this list that I have to put on who could throw a wrench in this whole summer? I have one and of those like, for later. Yeah. Uh, one of, what, I had a couple that came to mind, but one of them yeah. is Tillman. It absolutely is Tillman and, and him throwing money. So agreed. Um, have you been to any of his restaurants? Have you been to Mastro's? No, but I did. So at, at the same summer league, I, we, I did see him in the food court just like walking around with two security guards for some reason. Okay. Yeah, he, a he owns a couple Mastros. Neither of us are lucky enough to live in uh, one of his cities where he really kind of runs run shit, unfortunately, um, for both of us. Houston, Vegas, um, Pittsburgh, L.A. Just uh, really unfortunate we don't have proximity to this guy. Um, I don't disagree with you. I think you're putting a little too much stock into how much what the Rockets do and what Harden does matters. You're like saying disrupt the NBA. It's kind of like... This was one of the questions that I had with Harden. He was on my list. He was eighth, and I want him to know he was eighth. But um, <laughs> I, I had, if, if the Houston thing doesn't happen, if he just comes back, 
I don't feel like the Sixers are good enough to run it back. I don't think that even if they say, okay, God, like Harden's staying, we don't need to worry about that. I kind of think the Sixers still would have their work cut out for them, whether it's a Tobias Harris situation to flip him for something, or it's, could you maybe trade Maxi? I don't really know what their moves are, but I feel like coming off of what happened in that second round series, I would be pretty worried about even if Harden does come back, what I do if I'm if I'm the Sixers. Is Nick Nurse enough to flip you to a, a champion? Like, I, I don't know. I don't think so. No. It, it's just, uh, Harden, to, it's just, even if they can't run it back, if he just goes back, guess, he, he just can't, he can direct, my logic is he just can directly affect a team that has the MVP on it. Yeah, a team a team that can talk itself into thinking we have a window for the title. It is just like such a direct effect on one of the best players in the league that I think he just had to go on there. And I, I look, sure. the, the, maybe I'm overstating the the Fertitta part of this as well, but it's like if he just gives Brook Lopez a lot of money, the Bucks don't have like the means of necessarily replacing what Brook Lopez is. Like, there's just he can overspend on guys that could really disrupt what other teams could do, and that like it could. Ju- there's just like little ripples as one of the teams that actually has money that I just find just kind of interesting to observe and, and whatnot. Who's the free agent you would most like the Rockets to spend their money on? Not the silly, crazy, dumb, but like what's a player that's a free agent where you're like, if they don't get hardened, but they're intent on Tillman is telling them they have to spend something. Is there a guy that comes to mind where it's like, that might not be a bad place to go. I have one if you don't, but uh, I, I would I think Van Vliet would make a lot of sense for them. I think it's just a table setter as like a culture guy, as an organizer. I think that's one to me that okay. that would stand out as, as a good fit, because I, I just think Jalen Green needs like an actual point guard that isn't Kevin Porter Jr. to kind of help things out there a little bit. Not the return of Christian Wood. That wasn't where your mind went. You know, uh, no, I'm, I can't say Christian Wood is on my list either, so. Not on my list either. Um, the one that comes to mind for me is Cameron Johnson. Throw a restricted offer at him that makes it tough for Brooklyn to match. Any team can use a 3 and D forward. If if his offers are like whatever Brooklyn wants to give him or like some good teams mid-level, just say like, here's 18 million or here's 20 million, here's 22 million. No one's going to match that. Okay, come to Houston. And then you become a little bit of a trade asset for us down the road. You make our best players better because you just kind of space the floor and play smart basketball. That would be a smarter move. That would be like what we saw the the Brooklyn Nets do when they were trying to rebuild or some, not this most recent time with the ramp, but like when they, after they did the Pearson Garnett trade and everything, they did a lot of those, you know, dare offer sheets to other teams. Like that's kind of where I would go. But uh, they're, they don't, they don't seem like that would be enough for them. Grant Williams, you could do that with, you could do it with Rui Hachimura sure. as well. Sure. Austin Reeves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any of those restricted guys, that, that would be what I would want to do, but you tie up your cap space a little bit. You, you know, it's not the sexiest name in the world. It's probably not going to make you a ton better to bring those guys in because they're more role player types, whereas Harden or. Kyrie or whatever that you could pretend you're going to get, it it would make you probably better, even if better means like 28 wins or something. Yeah. All right. Uh, Well, I'm sure we'll have reactions to Harden and things as they come up. Brendan, I just took two off my list. Harden was on your list as well at number eight. So who is, who is your next one? So second on my list was Damian Lillard. We have a a longer Lillard conversation. 
coming. Yeah. He he he's number three on my list. So okay. we're 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 a little more in sync on this one. So I have a few thoughts on this one, and we'll try to keep it brief because again, we're gonna talk big picture on Portland next week, but I don't feel like Miami and Brooklyn make sense despite him kind of throwing those ideas out into the water last week. The Lakers, that's not happening. You know, the usual suspects, even the Knicks, they already have their small point guard. I don't think there's anywhere for him to go. No. Yeah. No. Um, and it doesn't seem like the thing that is kind of happening if you read between the lines... On the Beal stuff, it doesn't seem like Dame is like really pressing the buttons behind the scene and like there's not the he's working with the team to find a destination for him thing. He's like apparently like at the dra- a lot of draft workouts and like watching them. Like he's still very much like involved in a way. Like yeah. It just it doesn't feel like he's going to press that button, but it's like if he did, that's like the nuclear big star NBA trade of the summer, not quite as obviously in his prime as like a, a Mitchell last summer or something, but you know, what would be like a red alert DEFCON 5 kind of situation if if that if this kind of unfolds in a certain way. So that it, it's funny that you mentioned Donovan Mitchell. If you listen to Zach Lowe, Jonathan Gavoni, they did a podcast today that brought this up. I had this in my mind already, but it they pretty much cemented it. It feels like this is the type of trade that actually could end up similar to what we saw with Donovan Mitchell last year, where it plays out after the free agent dust settles. Now, obviously that makes it a little bit harder because any contracts or things that are done during free agency, they don't become available to be moved until December, January. But I could see Lillard evaluating the whole of Portland summer, seeing what they're able to do overall, and then maybe pressing the button of like, whoever is still able to come get me, now I want out. Maybe that's August, maybe that's September, but. I don't think it's going to be something where the day after the draft, a nuclear bomb goes off and and suddenly Lillard is, I hated what you did on draft night. Get me out of here. It's going to be more step-by-step step than that. And I could see him stay in Portland, but still end up being moved toward the end of the offseason, if at all. And look, he... And I think Portland is in a situation with him where they probably do need to consider like the long-term like health of the franchise to some degree. Now... If there is going to, there's all sports are inevitable. Time is inevitable for Joe Cronin or or whomever, whomever the owner ends up being. If that team sells like, or the next GM, next, next head coach, whatever, there is a turning over the leaf period that happens. It happens with every team, with every player. It will, it will happen. Like it, it will, it, it'll be eight years from now, but it's like, it's going to happen with Jokic. Someday he's going to be like, all right, I'm out. I'm going to go play. I'm going to go just worry about my horses full time. And you're never going to hear from me again. When the NBA 100 comes up, I'm not flying in from Serbia because there's going to be a, a horse race that day. I'm sure like he just won't be there. Jokic should have been on NBA 75, right? Yeah. Yeah. Conversation they for met. a different day, but Dwight Dame and, and uh, or Dwight wasn't on it, right? Mello and Dame and Anthony Davis all should not have been on that list. And, and Jokic uh, would have been a, a nice replacement there. Yeah, not wrong. At least I think I think him over AD uh, feels like an easy one we could do. So I think this is. I think you're all right. I I am curious, to, and I, I am curious to just see if we get any scuttlebutt coming out of the draft about what he thinks and just kind of some of that stuff. But it, he doesn't feel 
like the trade. And also, Brendan, I think it's worth noting if uh, there's certain destinations for him and Beal that I think overlap. That I think if certain things play a certain way, destination for him then kind of get taken off the board if Beal goes somewhere, right? Like there's not limitless destination for him, as you said, but I think they kind of do overlap to some degree with with possible Beal destinations. Yeah, Miami, right? I mean, that would be an obvious one, I think. Um, what happens if playing off of the Pelicans thing we just talked about, if New Orleans trades Ingram for two, we know the Trailblazers want Scoot. Mike Schmitz is a big Scoot guy. He was also a big Shaden Sharp guy, and then look what ended up happening with Shaden Sharp. He was drafted by the Trailblazers. We have evidence of, of, of Mike Schmitz's taste because he was putting all of his thoughts onto the internet for many years, and now he is in the Portland front office by way of ESPN. They hired Pooh Jeter, Jeter, I think actually is how you pronounce it, um, who was definitely Scoot's guy. They brought him into Ignite specifically to have Scoot under his wing, and now he works for the Trailblazers. <laughs> like, it's it's not even hard to read through, uh, read between the lines there. So if, let's say New Orleans trades to two, or gets very close to trading for two, I think that is a little bit of a worst case scenario for Portland because they cannot afford to trade what limited assets they have in a bidding war for the second overall pick to get Scoot if they try to mess with what the Pelicans are doing, because then they're emptying their ammo on the wrong thing. They should be emptying their ammo on another star if they want one for, for Lillard. That feels like a wrench that could get thrown into all of this, where if suddenly coming off of draft night, they have Brandon Miller, and then they're not able to do anything big in free agency, and then it's like, hey, Dame, you got year two of Shaden. We still have Ant Simons. You got Jeremy Grant back, and then, uh, you know, Brandon Miller and Shaden Sharp and whatever. Like, is that... That could be the thing that ends up with us talking about a Dame trade in September, it feels like. I think you're dead on. I Again, we will have a big Blazers conversation coming. We have Eric Garcia Gunderson, uh, who's been covering the Blazers for a long time for outlets like the AP and, and on his own Substack. He's going to come through next week and, and talk with us about Dame and the Portland situation. We're recording that on Sunday to give us as much time as possible for, for things to unfold before we have Eric come on. So we'll, we'll table the Dame conversation for now, I think. Uh, Brent- so let, let's continue on with uh, this kind of shooting guard talk. And I, I could have said Bradley Beal, but I'm putting in Michael Winger because I want to have a... I, we just had kind of a Wizards conversation, rebuilding the Wizards a little bit. But I think with the Wizards, there's more than just the Beal thing. It really feels like Michael Winger, in a way that like no other Wizards executive has been given the opportunity to do, is getting to really shape this. It was very notable to me that like there was an interview with him and an ownership on the Woj pod, but it wasn't just like Ted Leonsis and by himself. It was Winger and Ted Leonsis. Did you um, listen to Winger, it? I listened to some of it. Woj, not the best podcaster. Correct. I just... That's why I didn't listen. I should have prefaced my thought by, you know, I'm not just attacking Woj. It's just, did anything good come out of it? I could have just asked a question. There you go. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it illustrated to me how much Winger is kind of the face of Wizards and my, the monumental basketball brand right now is what that illustrated to me more than anything else. And it feels like he has carte blanche to kind of reshape this in a real way. And that's going to be a process. This Beal thing is, is step one. That's the big step. 
But there's other Wizards moves that are and or non moves that could have implications. Um, you know, Porzingis has a player option. Does does he pick it up and do they look to flip him somewhere? Does he opt out of it and do they just say, hey, like we're it doesn't we're trading Bradley Beal. It doesn't make sense for us to pony up a lot of money for Chris after Porzingis as we move on to a new era. It increasingly, Brendan, seems like Kyle Kuzma is not going to get a big money offer from the Washington Wizards. And I think that is in part because Winger has taken them into a new era. If Beal's going to be gone, what is the point of really throwing down a bunch of money for Kuzma? You could have argued that a ton of money for Kuzma didn't make a much, uh, uh, a ton of sense in the first place. But like now he's going to have to go find it elsewhere. And, and what does that mean for his market? Winger in a direct way is kind of resetting some things. And this becomes the team that more than any other team, I think in the league, Brennan is probably going to be okay with being pretty stinky next year. That's where this feels like this is headed to me. You look around the league, there's not a lot of teams right now that are going to be actively interested in being bad and actively interested in, in, in not, not being competitive next year. Now, is the, the 2024 draft class is not considered as top heavy or as good as this one? Uh, that probably has a part in it, but the Wizards are in a position, I think, to do some resetting here. And wing, and this is we, summer one for winger. This is era. Yeah. This is part of the winger era here. It starts with Beal. What he gets there, what he prioritizes there. We can talk through some of the machinations of Beal trades, but he gets to reset this, and I think it directly impacts what we expected and maybe happen with Porzingis, and what we expected happen with Kuzma, and and obviously Bradley Beal. So. I think some of this is out of his control and I think you're right to call it year one. Like if Porzingis opts in, cause that's up to him, you know? Yeah. If there, if he doesn't feel like there's a big offer and Porzingis makes $36 million, I'm not positive. There's a $36 million offer out there for him. I'm not positive. There's more than like a three year deal out there for him. So maybe if he reads the tea leaves and his agent, you know, doesn't quite think that there's a substantial total guarantee increase that he could get on a multi-year deal this summer. Maybe he rolls the dice. On the other hand, Porzingis gets hurt all the time, so maybe you try to enter free agency now. But that's a question that's out of Winger's control, right? Um, Beal has a no-trade clause, so Michael Winger might not get the best possible package. There might not be a bidding war for uh, for Bradley Beal. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how much he can still will this thing into a better overall position um and if he can get a blue chip player back if he can get a single one because if you're looking at a Beal deal i think the most likely one kind of out there in the world right now is something centered on like hero in miami tyler hero is not a blue chip player he's not going to be the guy you build your next great team around kyle kuzma is probably not getting you that player back a porzingis opt-in and trade or something like that not going to be the guy that gets you a, a true blue prospect back. You could get a pick that maybe becomes that player, but that's the interesting part is can they, can they in one summer go from mediocre and in a weird spot to bad with hope or is next year just bad with no hope? <laughs> that's kind of my question or like bad well, with like, all right, and maybe next summer it'll be better. Like, you know, I don't know. I, I think, I don't know if I, this is maybe just uh, from a, a position of, of privilege of not like kind of being like in the muck of, of Wizards fandom necessarily. But like, I don't think I would care if I'd hope for next year very much. I just feel like this is actually like turning the page and it's something that I think it's been pretty clear they've needed to do for a while now. Mm-hmm. Right. Like this, this and it's going to be stuff behind the scenes, too. Like they haven't drafted well. And they have Travis Schlenk now who drafts really well. Who drafts really, really well. Like they have... 
this is going to be like a multi-year, multi-draft, multi-trades. Like this is just going to be a whole process. And I think the process, you should trust it to, to paraphrase the, the 76ers. It's not going to be that extreme. I don't think, I don't know if we're going to see a, a team ever go that extreme again, but I think like the winger is in a position to really reshape this in a way that he wants. And it's going to take, it just, there's going to be painful times. It's not going to be fun. Yeah. Teams will, Schedule the like well they'll win twenty something games next year but teams more often not are going to kick the crap out of the Wizards you will see them come through your city in like March and be like oh this team's not playing for anything anymore but they have kind of have Which to go is how through I that felt pain this year. I mean right that's but the at thing, least, right but but at least now like there's a there's like the the glimmer of hope that something new is on the horizon that the do- yeah. the rebirth of the Wizards and is on the thing and I hope also Mike Winger. You should keep the cherry blossom jerseys, put those in the permanent rotation and just make them like part of your look. At least you'll have good jerseys if you do that. But th- this whole thing, Brendan, is about getting to this whole hiring of winger and trading Beal is about going from where you are now to to the possibility of something better. That's what this is all about. It's interesting. I feel like the Beal trade, if, if and when it happens, is maybe the mo- it's, it is the most important thing that they have to figure out this summer. Based on what you said about them drafting and just looking at their roster, I actually think the second most important thing is not Porzingis or Kuzma. It's just nailing the eighth pick. They have they have to nail that pick because like Johnny Davis was bad. Like Corey yeah. Kispert is just like kind of there. Like play. they haven't like the was the last good pick they had, like was was it Beal <laughs> off the top of my head? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of like, how it feels. It, it I, I don't know what their overall like draft history. I haven't like gone back and looked. I, I we should probably pull it up, but it's like it feels like their last good Rui, pick was Bradley. Who Bia. they just traded away? Um, yeah, who like they're like and then, who I think is a good player, but just got hurt all the time. And then yeah, Beal. They they haven't, <laughs> they haven't like, even they, had first round picks uh, all the time. You know, from like 2016, 17, they didn't have a pick, uh, and twenty. Yeah, twenty those two years they didn't have a pick, and then you don't. It's only ten years ago they drafted Bradley Beal. So yeah, they they Troy Brown was in there, another current Laker, which is Can I, strange. Well, on, um, yeah, on a, on, a four, on a on a note of that draft, real quick. Um, I, because I am me, I still follow Dean Waiters on Instagram, and where Bradley Beal from that class is making tons of money and is going to be in the league for a, a, a while longer, and still I think a pretty good player, even if like last year it slipped a little bit, has made an All Star team in a couple years or whatever. Uh, Dean Waiters is setting up like Grand Theft Auto, like Discord servers and and stuff uh, via his Instagram page. So yeah, salute. Yeah, but uh, Dean did win an NBA championship. So who's to say who's who's yeah? All right. Um, my next one is actually also an executive, and I think it's gonna I think it's gonna surprise you maybe. Jeff Weltman, Orlando Magic no, the- president of basketball operations. I love this. Was, so, wait, wait, wait. Was Beal not on your list? I didn't put him on because I knew you would have. Okay, okay. Um, Magic could have $43 million in cap space if they want to. They have the number six and number 11 picks. Not really sure why they would need to make both of those, personally. They already have plenty of young players and, and two that are you know potential cornerstones. Extensions on the horizon for Chumo, Kiki, and Cole Anthony. We don't know what they'll do there. And they were they were 34-win team. Statistically, you know, their expectation was to be a 35-win team, whatever you want to say. They've had a losing record since 2019. So the question really is just how much better do they try to get? Like Zach Lowe last summer was staying on his podcast consistently that there was pressure 
for those guys to take a step forward. And I think Paolo just like looking really good and Franz looking really good ended up being enough, even though they weren't that much more competitive. And Jonathan Isaac still doesn't look like he's probably going to play again. But what does this summer look like with even more sort of like resources to pull from to make their team better? How much do they think they need to get better? And what do they do? How aggressively do they try to pursue that? That's, that's what I'm looking at. And I think the answer could literally be anything. They could just hold tight or they could make a big move. Should they be in on Beal? Um, no, I, I wouldn't be in the business of clogging my cap sheet with somebody like that at the point in time that the, that the wizards are, if it was a shorter contract, if it was a slightly smaller contract, like there are stars, I think I might say yes on that too. It's just like, Beal being, you, it's just such a commitment. Would you have said like, yes to pursuing Donovan Mitchell last summer? Yeah, maybe. I mean, last summer we didn't know what Paolo would be, so knowing that he's sort of a building block type of piece, that makes me feel a little better about a superstar trade, and that's why I think this summer is kind of the one to to finally do it. Um, but the other part of this is, are you looking at Paolo, Franz, and Wendell Carter as like, that's our three, and we're building around that? Or are you looking at those three guys as like, okay, who's going to be the superstar to take them to where they need to go. I think that's an interesting question. It's hard to say because a lot of those guys are so early in their careers. They're different than they're going to be in the future, but that's an interesting question. And I sort of feel like you probably need a player better than those three. Yeah. Then look, you have some interesting other decisions. Uh, Marco Foltz has like a non-guarantee on his deal. Uh, Gary Harris, who I think they could trade to a team has a non-guarantee on his deal. And Every good uh, Jonathan team should be trying to get Gary Harris, by the way. Yes. Jonathan Isaac, um, apparel company CEO, author extraordinaire, uh, has a non-guarantee in his salary. And I have no idea what you do with him from a basketball Public standpoint. Public intellectual is what they call those, Chris. Yeah. That's what he is. <laughs> kind of like Malcolm Gladwell or like, mm-hmm. you know, um, Jordan Peterson, maybe more of an accurate comparison there. I think that that's really where Isaac's headed. Com- I don't know if basketball's con- in his future, but yeah, con- noted conference speaker Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, um, just, just making the rounds, doing doing you know getting the speaker fees. They're pretty lucrative. I mean, you know, former presidents like to do the circuit. Jonathan Isaac's just kind of tailing behind them. So what like, do you think? They, they, do you feel like Franz Paolo and Wendell is is like that's going to be the three best players when the Magic make their next finals appearance, or do you think that it's going to be that they flipped some of that into something better, and then that guy's going to be what's next? Because they're also I don't know if you know this, based in Orlando, Florida, so not exactly you know place where superstars tend to want to sign on the dotted line. So they can create some cap space for themselves. And I, I we've talked about this as a name for them before, but I would be chasing like a Fred Van Vliet in free agency if I can. Like I think that would be like Fultz is good, but and I like Fultz, but I, I think like your real your your real point guard is on listen. I also don't think I, you can rest on Carter, Franz, and Paolo long term being your core best three now. Like what is the best way for you to upgrade on that? Is it like waiting and kind of consolidating things for trades in the future? I think that's probably the more realistic answer. And if you wanted to take a summer to be patient with that and figure out your coaching situation, figure out all the angles of it, I think that's not an unreasonable way for them to do this. But I I would be looking... Dude, I I guess the other question, and maybe we're going to find out this summer, Brendan, is 
how much do they think they can jump in the East? And 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 like I don't I don't think they're expecting to go from the 13th seed last year, winning 34 games, to like a top four seed and like jumping into there. But do they think they can get to 10? Do they think they can get to eight? Like, do they do? Where do they think they can kind of puncture into the East? I think yeah, with this talent like based on the internal growth, game would probably be like a reasonable goal. Yeah, like the high would that be like the high end of of what they could be next year if they make yeah. a certain kind of move? I think I don't think that's unreasonable. It's if you're a Palo guy and you're a Franz guy, I think in particular, those are the kind of guys that can really drive success for you. I think so. I yeah, I I agree with you and. I think what they decide to prioritize will be interesting. And I, I do all, but I would also, if I'm them, I would try to improve now, but I still think you'd want to keep some things open for the future and not rush this. I think the worst thing they could do is, is like go to full bore right now. I yeah. think you still got to wait a little bit in case there's a bigger move to be made for, for something at a later down the line when inevitably a superstar does become available and you can just be like, we have all the picks, we have young talent and you, and you just go for it. I just really hope this is the Jalen Suggs year. I've been waiting. I really, really love Jalen Suggs. I think that if he hits and he can just stay healthy, limit his turnovers, play a little bit more of a half-court game, make his threes, like, it's still there. The, the, the way that he started his career hasn't convinced me that he can't become that player, and I think when he's at his best, he's just such an overwhelming physical force on the court. He's an amazing point guard defender. Like, maybe that's just the guy. Maybe that's what... They're kind of waiting for at guard. They've drafted so many, drafted or traded for so many young guards. Maybe it's just him. I don't think it's going to be Cole Anthony. I don't think it's going to be Markel Fultz, but maybe it's just Suggs kind of getting over the hump and, and becoming that guy that that makes it. And, and really their patience does just pay off. And then he's kind of the fourth part of that core that we're talking about rather than it just being those three guys. Also, Wendell or, Carter needs to stay healthy. He's never been healthy. Yeah. So it's not even a lock to call him part of that. Well, look, and maybe another team really likes Suggs and you could cash in on him in that way. I don't think that's like an unreasonable way to look at it at it either. Like, I mean, maybe there's a sign and trade with Toronto to be done. Um, I don't know. I, I think they, they have the world is their oyster, you know, uh, Magic Kingdom is there for them to explore if, if they want to do it. Well, we know that the Raptors probably don't like Suggs, which is one of the things Tough. that always held me back because they did not draft Jalen Suggs when they had the opportunity to do so. They drafted Scotty Barnes, so. Yeah, um, I'm not wondering if if how Jonathan Isaac would feel about the the sponsorship on his jersey. Just kind of wondering things now. Would you take a flyer on a, on Isaac as a player if you're another team and he just becomes available? Okay. Someone's gonna talk themselves into it. <laughs> someone someone is gonna talk themselves into both him and Miles Bridges this summer, and it's gonna be an awkward day. Not no the same team necessarily, but like it's it's gonna happen. It's absolutely gonna happen. It's not so much even the the baggage with Isaac so much as it is the fact that he has basically not played basketball in like three years. Correct. But the other stuff uh, doesn't help. All right. Um, big summer for Orlando. Excited about that. All right. My next one, Brendan. It's not a name because I, we don't have a name, but it's whomever is making the decisions for the Golden State Warriors, which we don't exactly like have firm ideas about who is making decisions. It has been reported, uh, Anthony Slayer at the Athletic had this, that Mike Dunleavy Jr. and Kirk Lacob, the son of Joe Lacob, are elevated roles over there, but that Bob Myers is gone. And there's a lot of business to be done in Golden State this summer. Um, Draymond Green, what happens with him? We don't exactly know yet. 
What had, does Jordan Poole get traded? Do they flip Kuminga? Do they make some kind of trade now to get ahead of some of the apron stuff and make trades they can't make in a year? How much pressure do they feel to kind of keep this thing together? Do they split stuff up? Does, does new leadership have a different um, affinity, a different loyalty level to the guys that are there? This is the longest running sustained group of guys that has been together. They I've, I've won a ton together. And this is new leadership. This is the first time we have seen a real change in the structure at the core of what has driven the Warriors for like a decade now, right? Like, you know, yeah. Curry's still there. Curry's still there. Like, that's just going to be hugely important. But no Bob Myers and kind of an uncertain, like, at least from the outside, lack of understanding of who makes decisions there to me. It presents a really interesting summer where there's a lot of stuff to be done and stuff to figure out for the next couple of years of the Warriors right now this summer. To me, this this immediately came to mind. Yeah, it's a good one. I don't have a ton to add. Maybe that can be a quicker one. But I have it really, to me, I think the most likely thing that they do is trading Jordan Poole. I had Draymond Green on my list. He's technically here at the end. But the more that I thought, he's he's number 10 on my list. But the more that I thought about it, I just feel like he's going to come back. Um, whether yeah. it's an extension, whether it's opting out and signing a full new contract. I just, I don't, we talked about Detroit. We talked about, you know, we've, everybody's talked about trading him to the Lakers. I just, I don't see any of those things. I don't see him going to the Mavs. I don't, you know, I just think staying with Golden State makes the most sense. So really to me, it's Jordan Poole. I feel like if you're looking at pool trade candidates, it is, what is another team that has an expensive player that you just sort of are flopping with them? You know, um, John Collins in Atlanta. I guess you could say Zach Levine. I mean, that's probably not likely. Gordon Hayward, Tobias Harris, um, you know, go on down the list. Those are the types of guys that I think you're talking about. Carl Anthony Towns, can they get in on that and have Poole be the centerpiece? They probably don't have enough to get a deal like that done. But it's like, what are the expensive players that may or may not be desirable to the team that they're on? That's kind of what you would be looking for with with a pool trade. I just don't know if they really if they really have one. I think that they might just have to pretty much run it back entirely is where I'm looking at it the more that I really sit with it. Um except for the slop of the week that we have this week, which I hope we can get to cuz that 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 was interesting. It has to do with the Warriors. Maybe we can Well, let let's just let's do it real quick right now. Let's let's just do it. Yeah. So the slop of the week is courtesy of Jonathan Gavoni who also who already came up on this show. Gavoni had it that Sources tell ESPN, this is in his latest mock draft, that the Warriors are exploring the option of acquiring a high draft pick in exchange for a young prospect such as Jonathan Kaminga. The Warriors love to be in these rumors and then not do anything. They've made shockingly few moves for a team that's been kind of like so popular and like relevant in the league for so long. They did the stuff around Durant, flipping him for D'Lo and then flipping that for Wiggins. They've made some moves on the margins, but they've really been pretty quiet during this dynasty outside of that. I don't know if this actually happens, but if I'm in the, if I'm a competitor in the NBA, I'm absolutely betting on Jonathan Kaminga. I think he is a legitimate athletic force, and I think he has enough skill to his game that he could really be in the mold of a Draymond or Bam or, you know, these guys who maybe aren't shooters but do everything else, I feel like he could become that, and I would be wanting to find out if he can outside of Golden State who doesn't want to give him any minutes. Other teams who are in need of size on the wing 
and interested in development and interested in kind of giving themselves a shot on a really talented guy who's still really young, who I think would really benefit from, from consistent playing time. And I don't even think, Brendan, this should just apply to bad teams. I understand they're looking for high draft picks, but I think even a good team that has a, big, a, a glaring need should be rolling the dice and someone like Kuminga. I'm with you. I would not be selling my Kuminga stock. I believe that there's a really useful player in there. I believe that there's just stuff he does that's really hard to find. I would absolutely, if I'm another team, be trying to get in on this for whatever you can. I, I don't know what that exactly looks like. I don't know how to gauge his value considering he hasn't played a ton. Yeah. But other teams should be chasing him. Other teams should be looking at this guy. And if if they, the Warriors make a bigger move and some other team could even slip in and and grab him as like kind of an accessory to the deal to make some of the money work, that to me would be a really good bit of business for another team. Yeah, I mean, Kaminga's one of those guys that completely popped at Summer League. When he has gotten consistent minutes, there was that stretch in around the midpoint of the year um, where he played consistently and, and it looked good. It felt like he was going to be in the playoff rotation and then he was not. I think he was at least physically pretty dominant on G- on the G League Ignite team, even if his skill hadn't really rounded out and he didn't look like he necessarily you know, was comfortable yet. I just think there's something there. To me, the number one target or the team that I would like to see pursue him the most is Utah. They have three first-round picks, including number nine. They are a team to a T that fits what you're saying. I mean, they have Taylor Horton Tucker. They have Ochai Abaji, but that's kind of it in terms of their young wings. That's a need for them. I would totally be looking at a Kaminga trade if I'm the Utah Jazz. I mean, even it's Brendan, are the teams we cover primarily? I don't think it's that likely. But if they, if even these teams that are like have pressure to win right now, a team like Cleveland, a team like Phoenix, a yeah, team. Yeah, but it says that they want high, uh, like they would only do I'm it just, for a high pick. Look, I, but here, but I'm saying in a world where like there's a trade where like the other team just. This is not always the likeliest thing, but like I think about how like the Cavs got Jared Allen, right? There was a bigger trade. And the Rockets, for some reason, were like, hey, we don't really want Jared Allen. Cleveland yeah. slips in, they get Allen. I think if there's a situation like that where like a third sure. team has to get involved, that's where I'm saying I, I don't think good teams. My, point, my broader point is I just don't think good teams, if they can find a way to finagle their way into this, if, uh, if one of these other teams doesn't want Kuminga, a good team should be doing this and, and empower yeah. him to succeed in their situation. I think that would be good business for teams that are going to be cash-strapped and need certain skill sets. Okay, so both of these things, me bringing up the Jazz and what you just talked about with the two teams we cover, I think goes to not the person who is next on my list, but who is pretty interesting, and it's another executive, and it's Danny Ainge. Mm. So I have a few things with Ainge. So I just mentioned they have nine, uh, 9, 15, and 28. Is that right? Um, in the draft, 9, 15, and 28, yep. And they have at least $42 million in cap space, but it could be as much as $73 million in cap space this year, depending on what they do. Those are interesting in and of itself. They could be the team that gets a dumped player. They could go out and try to get a, you know, a restricted free agent, similar to what we were talking about with um, a, a few of these young teams, or Rockets, Orlando, etc. Or they could just be patient. They have Lowry Markin and extension eligible, but he's probably not going to accept three years and $82 million, which is all they can offer him. So they're kind of in this in-between stage where it's like they could continue to tear it down. They could keep rolling it over the way that they have been and just keep giving minutes to young guys. And if they're good, they're good. I don't think they're going to trade Lowry. There would be no reason to do that right now. Um, But the real question that I have with Ainge, one is sort of how does he fill in the, the gaps on some of these things, being the team to be opportunistic, but also, did he set the market 
And this isn't really so much about the Jazz. It's really a, a bigger question about what Ainge did last summer. Did he set the market for deals in the NBA with Donovan and Gobert? Or did he not? Is that the going price? Or was that a one-off Danny Ainge being a wizard? Well, he's a not a wizard. He's on the Jazz. But was that a one-off or was that the new market? I think this summer it's a really big question for some of these other trades that are going to happen, whether or not which one of those things it really was. Well, and I think we're going to maybe find out like what his Wizards, like what the Wizards plan is. Like, I, I mean, how aggressively do they want to be competitive again? I, I mean, I don't know, but there are like jazz? guys. I, I, I threw you yeah. off saying Wizards. Yeah. Sorry. I say Wizards. Like the, the Jazz like have guys that I like. Like, I think Sexton is a good player. Marketing obviously was awesome last year, but like, are they going to be, are they going to, it seems like they probably will, but like Jordan Clarkson, uh, it maybe declines his player option and gets the bag because he's like tight with the owner, but also has been really good for them. Um, you know, Ochai Baji, I think shows the flashes. Walker Kessler obviously was awesome for them last year. Starting Team USA center, Walker Kessler. Very bad at NBA Finals media correspondent, Walker Kessler. They need to like train these NBA players that like interviewing is a skill. And like Paolo Bancaro, also really bad at it. Great at basketball, really bad at doing interviews. Like really bad. Well, what do you think is the answer to my question? Was, was the Mitchell and Gobert trades a sign of what's to come or were they Ainge pulling a rabbit out of the hat? I think it was circumstantial because those two guys were like, you're sell high in the athletes of Then it's like, what do you do with those two? I don't think those guys were sell high. I think the situation imploded and they looked like shit in the first round of the playoffs and somehow Ainge still got like the well, biggest okay. trade deals let's, ever let's, for let's both clarify. of them. The Mitchell one, I think, was still kind of selling out because it's like an Indus Prime guy that you've seen do some stuff. The Gobert one, just still to this day, like doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the Gobert one is just like an is like a one of one, just like Tim Conley just doing some stuff. I I guess. Um, I think sure it was more Tim. Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez doing some stuff. If we're being well, completely honest with each other. Either way, either way, pretty bad. But. I think now it's like, okay, like how aggressive do they want to be? And like, do they try to chase the middle by spending money with that they will have? And like, do, or do they like, Hey, we'll, we'll absorb Jordan pool. That's fine. Like, is yeah, there you stuff don't that hire they Danny do? Ainge and let him do what he did last summer only to make him spend money the next summer. I don't think they're going to go back to the middle. No. And there's no, there's no reason to rush this. I mean, I think certainly maybe they would have liked the higher pick. If in you this thought draft. that, then why did you bring up them going to the middle? I'm just saying, it's like, well, I, because there, it's an option. Like, it, it's well, what like, do you think it is they a should pun- do? Everything's an option. They have seventy million dollars in cap space and three first round picks. What do you, what do you want them to do? Because I think, if like building around Lowry with all that space and all those picks and some interesting young players, like they're on their way. But you know, what do they do next is pretty interesting, and it's not going to be going to the middle. I don't. I think if, I think if there's room for them to even like a continue, I think the Thunder are probably the template for the Jazz. You figure, I, I don't know if, I don't think they have anyone as good as Shea, obviously. But what they do have is a lot of picks. They have a really good coach in Will Hardy. And they have, they have time on their side. I think they, they're one of the teams that has like the real setup to have a runway here. And I think if there's room to like get more assets or, or something interesting by absorbing bad contracts from the teams that are trying to get out ahead of some of the apron stuff, I think that could be a good bit of business. Yeah, I think if you feel like you can you can help facilitate deals and, and help some of the money work on certain stuff, you should be in that business. 
and then also like doesn't preclude them from just like giving Jordan Clarkson like three years and like fifty million dollars just for vibes. Like it doesn't preclude them from necessarily even like doing something gotta like that. Got to spend their money somewhere, right? Yeah, got to spend it somewhere. He seems like I, I'm a I'm a Clarkson fan just from at least from a vibe perspective. Um, you can. St- it's not going to really impede Sexton's development or Markin's further development or you know, what Abaji's development or, or Walker Kessler's development, right? Like none of this stuff is going to impede those stuff. If you don't impede that stuff and you ca- and you nail your picks or at least do something interesting with your picks and then just kind of go around the edges a little bit and kind of nibble at some, maybe some rehabilitation projects. I think that's the way you go. And you look at two years from now, it's like, okay, then, then two, two years from now, you kind of reevaluate that process because I think you can't take two years on this and figure out where you're at. And then, and then you kind of progress. I think that's the path, Brent. And I think the path yeah. is be really patient. And I think if you, I think if they are, if there's a team that should just swing wild in the draft, it's probably them, right? Yeah, that's the interesting thing. Is really like it's going to be the same with Oklahoma City. Does do having does having all those picks really materialize in you eventually getting the top blue chip? future hall of fame type of draft player or does it turn into you just draft at 9 15 and 28 for five straight years and then you never actually really get that guy and then you're kind of back into the same boat that every nba team is in which is how do we package our young players to get a superstar like can you actually get that superstar with having all those picks or does it end up just being a trade anyway i think that'll be kind of interesting and how they play that but they have enough picks where they don't really need to be bad so they could be the team to take Tobias Harris or Julius Randle or Yusuf Nurkic or whatever, kind of like you were saying the Thunder did for a while and be okay with it. Um, they're just intriguing I, I, to me. They're, I also they're think really they should, uh, they're a team that with the picks they have, like I think if they take someone that's like a real developmental swing, like late in the first round, like this is where a team can use their G League team and use the infrastructure that way, I think in a really smart way. Like that, that's the kind of stuff you should be doing. Um, if you're Utah at this stage, like I, even with like some of like, you look at some of the mocks, it's like, yeah, they have three first, but like, do they necessarily have the room for like three? Cause they have guys that are good already. Do you have like three guards that are just going to come in and do that stuff? Um, you know, the latest ESPN mock has them taking Taylor Hendricks from UCF, which is just like, I, I love that pick, right? Like that to me would be really interesting. And they also reported that they're high on Anthony black, which I'm a little just like, that's interesting. I wonder what that means for, a Colin Sexton, like I think you could even tell me they're going to do something like, like, I don't think marketing, but you could tell me they're going to like flip Sexton to a team who like wants him as a bench score. And I'd be like, yeah, sure. you could convince me that's, that's the thing you're going to do. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the reason they signed with that contract. I think, you know, more than anything is keep him as an asset rather than just sort of lose him or let him walk or whatever. Um, who's your next one? Chris Middleton. Okay. Look, the Bucks are in an interesting spot. I don't totally know like how they they kind of are in a weird spot just in terms of the Burke Lopez thing and, and everything. But Middleton had surgery. He has a player option. Been pretty quiet about like what he is or is not going to do. Is there like a sign of trade with him? Like I, they've been linked to Beal. I think, you know, it, you'd kind of have to trade him or Drew. I think I would you're trading Middleton more than Drew. I think if you're doing that, in my opinion. Does Middleton like chase 
some of the frequency back from from a team? Is that out there for him? Does he like? I, I can't imagine he should take the player option at this point in his career, right? Like he's he's an older guy. He should be getting the most guaranteed money he can for the longest amount of time possible. And again, this is a guy that is connected to one of the best players in the world. I think like his decision and what he kind of prioritizes and what he looks at to me is it, it just stands out as as something that's going to have a direct impact on Giannis. So to me, he's on that list. It sounds like they want to resign him, and it even sounds like they might want to bring back Brooke Lopez. And if but like should just, should it? Here's the thing, Brenny. Here's the thing. If you're them and you're at this point, if you are the Bucks and you are staring at where you're at, do you have a better alternative than that? Do you have a way to replace what Middleton gives you? Do you have a way to replace what Brooke Lopez gives you? Do you have a way to really continue to be competitive around Giannis right now without some kind of trade other than bring these guys back and, and run it back and trust that a new coach and a new voice and maybe some better injury luck and health get you there? It is risky. Lopez is older. Middleton is older. Drew is older. Like There's a lot of miles on this group already. I, I would have some skepticism and, and be a little nervous if I were them. But I, you don't have the flexibility to go like reshape this in a row unless you flip Middleton for something. And even then, it's Beal at a ton of money, and and at a and a, and you have to get him to agree to it. Like it's a complicated situation for them. So like I can't blame them for just maybe being like, yeah, let's 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 bring back Chris and let's run it back. I can't blame them necessarily for doing that. No, I don't think there's really a pivot right now. Um. It, the idea of Middleton just opting in interests me, but I, if, if there's money he, on the table would, for... Yeah, yeah, exactly. If there's money on the table for him, he's probably not going to do that. But if that he, version of events his, were to play out, it could make sense. My thing his, that I was going to say real quick is... Just his, just his agent should be like, Tillman Fertitta is going to give me all the money. Yeah, and then you've already heard that, right? Houston yeah. already leaked that, uh, yeah. or his agent already leaked that. Um, yeah. There's a world in which they could... If they could dump Grayson Allen, they could get $20 million of cap space if Middleton and Lopez walked. $20 is not a lot, but then you're kind of building your team around Giannis and Drew, and even Drew could be a free agent next year, and that would be a little bit more of a reset. I think the thing that worries me about Milwaukee is if you're signing Middleton and or Lopez to like three, four-year deals. I don't think you should be doing that because I think both of them are age and injury risks in a way that I would be pretty worried about tying Giannis's future to guys that are making a lot of money who may or may not be available to you. And I think this summer gives you a little bit of a pivot opportunity if you play it right. But I think like they're connected to Beal. There's no way that they're getting Bradley Beal. It, it just, it would make no sense. It would have to be a three-team deal because the, the Wizards are not taking back Chris Middleton on a big salary. That's the same thing as having Bradley Beal. There's no need for that. A three-team deal, as Brian Windhorst likes to say, is, is a no-team deal. So it just... It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I, I guess they have to do it if the riskier route of, of trying to kind of play it a little uh, looser doesn't behoove them, which I get that with Giannis and his future in the balance, but I, I just think if they run it back completely, I would not have them among the best teams in the East next year. I, I agree, but... Again, I don't I don't know what the pivot is. If you could do the Beal thing, I would probably look at it really strongly just to kind of slightly move back your age timeline a little bit, but I don't know yeah, if I'm you're even, hoping like, like even even if you imagine where it could a three-team deal could work, it's like who wants Chris Middleton badly enough to give up stuff for him? 
yeah. like trade yeah. assets. If it's money, it's money. You, if a team has cap space, got to spend it somehow. But it's like our team's giving up like picks and players for Chris Middleton right now coming off the season. He had, he was good in the playoffs. I think that gets lit, lost a little bit. If you actually look, he was pretty efficient and pretty productive in the postseason in those five games. And he played a lot. He was healthy and was ready, but that's just not a lot to go from when the past two years he had significant stuff go on. And he'll be 32. Yeah. Um, at the yeah, start so of next a four-year deal is taking him through age 36, and it looks like his body has already started to break down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's tough. Um, it's tough. It's not a good place to be, but I and for him, it's this is also his last chance to, to get a big contract, and he's going to leverage that, I think, however he can or that's Milwaukee or, or elsewhere using uh, the, the Rockets or the Pistons or someone as a stalking horse to get him the money from Milwaukee. I, I think he, and again, it's just Giannis, even if that team is in, is going to be imperfect next year and we have some concerns about them, they were a really good regular season team this year and they have Giannis. And I think like that puts them in a place where they're, they're, they're in our conversation. They're in the discourse and it just, sure. He Giannis is at this point where it's like what comes next for him too. Like there's just a lot at stake with what happens with Middleton and how it's going to reverberate. I think not just next season, but two years, three years down the road, even depending on just what this looks like and what happens. All right. I have uh, one quick one and two bigger ones left. I don't know what you have. I have. So I technically have four left, but three of them I feel very minor about. Okay. And one of them I don't, I honestly, Brendan, I only, I put him on here because this is like my real KS agent and I don't really feel like I want to talk about him at length because the Kyrie? world is given. It is Kyrie. Okay. So that was my quick one. I think he's just going back to Dallas. I don't really care about any of the other noise. No, but if, if like the Laker stuff happens, then like, here we go. Yeah. For if the Laker Quinto, stuff happens, here we go. But He's already sacrificed quite a bit of money as well as his Nike deal. So I really don't think he's going to just take a huge pay cut for no reason. I mean, these no, guys no, live lives of luxury. Like I know we like to throw out them taking huge pay cuts to make whatever they want happen. But most of the time, as Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard both showed us, even if it doesn't behoove you for your future or the best situation, you're going to take the money if it's there. So, yeah. All right. Let me go to my, my one of my bigger ones, Carl Anthony Towns. He, I knew you were going to talk about him, and I also just like saw like the clips of him talking how he changed the game of basketball, and I just was like, I, yeah. I Carl, 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 Carl Anthony Towns like needs, um, Carl Anthony Towns needs like a real like vibe reset, just on his career, a little bit. Yeah, I don't. I, th- I think it's I hard think because a, I don't. I don't think a little bit. I think a lot of it. Well, here's the deal. I feel like uh, some of it is out of his control. Obviously, the situation with him and himself and his family during the pandemic is no laughing matter. I think the fact that the calf thing he dealt with last year almost turned into an Achilles tear is also no laughing matter. Like serious stuff actually genuinely really sucks and probably set him back a fair bit physically and all that. He's also just an underwhelming basketball player for what we thought he was going to be. And both things are true, I think. He is not a number one player on a championship team, and he's not, I don't think, what Minnesota thought he was going to be. They don't make the Rudy Gobert trade if he was. I think they jumped the gun on making that trade, but I also think if Cat was what we thought he was going to be when we, when they drafted him out of Kentucky, then a lot of things would have gone differently throughout the years, including them not getting a number another number one overall pick that then became better than him because they wouldn't have ever been bad enough to get one, right? So it's like, I think all that stuff factors in. Um, I don't think he's going anywhere. I just don't think there's a trade. 
unless it's just a team kind of out of nowhere that's like, yeah, screw it, let's go for it. Um, but like New York doesn't work. The Mavs, like the same package I've thrown out for a million guys with the Mavs is out there, I guess, you know, like Hardaway, JaVale, Josh Green and a 2029 first or something like, it, it, why would they necessarily make Towns kind of their third guy defensively? I don't think it makes a lot of sense if it's Luka, Kyrie and and Kat. Um, so I just think unless a team gets desperate, the most likely scenario is Towns returning to Minnesota and them trying to get a full season out of this group, which they weren't able to last year. I could see the Hawks get maybe like this is like a Hawks pivot. John Collins Dej- and DeJounte for like Kyle Anderson in, in towns and then like some some kinds of picks in there. Yeah, I think DeJounte might have pretty similar trade value to him. So that's why I thought John Collins. But the, the Hawks have a bunch of salaries. We probably should have put a Hawks person on here because I think they're liable to do any number of things. I don't think Trey's going anywhere, but besides that, could do anything. I just real quick. Well, well, would you would you have interest if you're Portland in in Cat? So that's interesting because I was just about to bring up Portland. I think the two most underrated bad contracts. No, not because I think they're going to get him. The two no, most underrated. I mean, no, this, this, this is me and you. Just not, this is we we this we they worked this whole point to get to the same team talking about freaking Carl Anthony Towns, Brendan. That's it. Took us an hour, but we got here to be on yeah. exactly going. The, to the Trailblazers same place. don't have the ability to get players like him because they don't have the salaries. It has to be somebody who fits with Simons and they don't have a lot of other picks. So what I was going to say, cause I mentioned the Knicks a second ago, the two most underrated bad contracts in the league that matter for teams that might try to get involved with stuff this summer, Yusuf Nurkic, Julius Randall. <laughs> those are like yeah. both debilitatingly bad contracts. And I don't even mean that against those guys, but their combination of injuries and just, not being sort of like modern NBA winning players is just like really hampering their teams. And I don't think either one of those get talked about. It's bad. To, it's like, you know, shitty to call players bad contracts because they're humans and whatever. But like just in terms of what their teams are trying to do, Nurkic and Randall, it's like any deals you try to look at with the Knicks or the Blazers almost have to include those guys and no one would want them back because they're under multi-year deals that way overpay them. Use <sighs> so. Nurkic. Tough AKA Towns is going back to Minnesota. Uh, I would like I him to get into you. I look, I, but I think for him, Brendan, if I could dreamcast a scenario for him, mm-hmm. I think him as like the, the Dame is better than him in a bigger, more stout leadership personality than him. I think that would be a really good experience for him if he got to get out of Minnesota and get put somewhere where he gets to kind of reset and be under someone who's you know, I think a little more respected, let's say, who doesn't go on podcasts and like has every quote made fun of because it's the things he says are kind of ridiculous. So he has an extension that doesn't even kick in until next year, which starts at $50 million. So he's in the Beal and Lillard category of money. He just doesn't get talked about that way because I think everybody kind of forgot he signed that deal. But he's he's owed $62 million in 27-28. Why would you, but Brennan, why would we talk that way about the best shooting big man of all time? A game changer. Yeah, I don't know why. Change the game. Change the game when he hangs up his shoes. And then he also said, if you let me call the plays, I could get 40 every night. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, that guy, I, that's Wolves. what I'm saying. Go, t- I, I, I'm friends with a couple of Wolves people, and I, I think about their mental health quite a bit sometimes. Because it just seems tough. It seems like a, a tough hang. Who are your quick ones? 
So here are my quick ones. Um, Masai Ujiri. Okay. We talked. We did see the rap episode the other episode. day. Yeah. See our last episode. Jalen Brown, just because. I have Jalen uh, Brown. Okay, let's do a quick Jalen Brown conversation. So I actually think this is it, it's it's not a complicated conversation because I don't think they're going to trade him, but I feel pretty strongly that they should. I just think that there's only so much time that you can really spend expecting guys to become something that they're not going to be. And I don't even think that Jalen Brown can't win a championship or can't be the number two. I just think with the particular way that Jason Tatum plays and the limitations to his game and the way that Boston seems to want to build their roster out, it just isn't going to work. The Celtics are honestly, to me, patient to the point of it being a bad thing in a lot of cases. We just saw Brad Stevens step down from being the coach for a similar reason, which was that their style of play and some of the things just were not getting them over the hump. I think the same thing can be said for those two players. And I think Brown's trade value is probably the best that it will ever be before this next contract. So you absolutely should trade him. I just don't think they'll do it. Yeah. I, I, I think your logic there is sound. I also like wonder if the Celtics go to him and are like, Hey, we don't want to give you the super max. We'll give you something really close to the Supermax if that just kind of spirals in a certain direction. Um, and I don't know the rules is, on that stuff. Like, I know you're not supposed to say things you don't know on podcasts, but I, I never understand what teams are allowed to do if they don't do the max. There's a, like people always say like like it was the same way with DeAndre Ayton last summer in Phoenix where it's like, oh, just give him a little less. It's like that's not really how it works with extensions a lot of the time. So I don't know what the possibilities are. but they also run the risk of losing him for nothing if they can't come to an agreement. And then eventually he just decides to test the waters because he'll be a free agent next summer if they don't figure something out. And look, they just have to, and look, they have to think about the apron stuff because not only is this contract coming, but Jason Tatum Uber extension that you're going to offer him is coming. Like you're, they're just in a, this is just has a real implication for the future of Boston. And, does Jalen end up elsewhere? Like, just in and what do what what would Boston even prioritize in a return? Like, would they like do would I, the, the, all the reporting out there now means they're not in the Beal race, um, which obviously there was the same Brown Lewis also connection has with. more trade value than Beal, so that one's always been a little weird to me. It's like the yeah. Wizards are trading for Jalen Brown is what's happening in that case. Yes, <laughs> but like would like if if you know he's like hey I'd like to go to Houston and play with Ime. It's like it's. Jalen Green and a bunch of picks and stuff like doing it for if you're Boston. I I don't. So this really is the know. other thing. I feel like Tatum is actually the type of superstar, and I say take advantage, not in like a manipulative way, but he's actually one of the superstars in the league that I could imagine accepting a little bit of a reset period. Jason, we're gonna take care of you. We know you're gonna keep getting better. We believe you can be the best player on a championship team. For the future of this group, for the salary that that we need to manage. We need to move Jalen. We're going to get this type of package in return. We're going to stay competitive because we still have Malcolm Brogdon and Derek White and Marcus Smart and Robert Williams. Now Horford. We may, well, I think Horford's a free agent this year, right? Or uh, no. I just, I just, left. yeah, yeah. And, and you know what so, they do with and Grant Williams, what they do with Grant Williams will have an impact yeah. on, on this as well. And they're going to have uh, Daniel Gallinari, who just, you know, uh, made his presence known today by accepting his player option. But well, like yeah, the point- like, uh, yeah, just going to say we're going to do a segment this summer uh, that we haven't come up with an official name of it yet, but it's going to be something around like securing the bag or bag getting 101. Daniel Gallinari, you were the first winner of bag getting 101 or whatever we end up calling this. in the class, yeah. Because um, also also because he doesn't ever look like he dresses well. If you go and look at his fits at games, he always looks like like a 
16 year old wearing like an ill-fitting suit and i'm like my yeah, guy you're like making a ton of money and you're and a ten. underdressed yeah it's like what are we doing but a lot of money for gallo so good for him yeah i mean this year's seven but he made he's made a lot of money in his contract or in his career um but yeah i think tatum is the type of player that you actually can afford to be patient with in a way that other guys might not be okay with i'm saying that having never met jason tatum but you've never heard a peep from that dude he is a mellow guy he has a family he has all these other things that seem to matter to him they've won the entire from the minute he stepped foot on the court they've won i just sort of feel like of any superstar he's the type of guy that you could go to and say here's why we need to do this we're going to get a very good trade package we're selling high but we're going to need to maybe be the four seed for a couple years instead of being the one seed we still think we can compete for a championship we might just need to kind of pivot a little bit is that okay and i feel like jason tatum's the type of dude that would say yes so those are just everything is pointing to like it would be tenable to make this type of deal and i just don't get why they don't seem to want to but things could change quickly it's not like we've heard a lot of noise in general yeah i boy big summer for boston um brennan my other quick one that you've talked about a lot on on lockdown suns is chris paul just because what does he want does he play ball with the suns does he actually take a minimum do they have to trade him it's just Mm -hmm. Well, I I I, did, I I didn't want to do Matishiba just because I feel like that's going to be a that name is just going to be out there. Oh, sorry, excuse me, Matt. Sorry, I'm I'm just messing with you. It's okay, it's okay. I'm just uh, my uh, Dan Gilbert must have smacked me in the head and said mispronounces yeah, mispronounces the name. He paid you off to say it wrong. You can tell everybody. Yeah, it's fine. Um, but like, what happens with Chris Paul? Like, I I just don't know what like the Suns are in a weird spot too, and like, what does Chris yeah. Paul want? And like, what is this whole leverage thing that's been going on since that that day of of leaks? So I, I had Chris Paul as as I, at the end of my list. Yeah, I think Chris Paul, like he gave an interview to a local paper this week where he said he wants to be back. I think to me, what he's saying there is, I want to be back for thirty one million dollars, and and that's just not going to happen. Uh, I don't know what will happen if they do move forward with waving him or trying to stretch him. That's obviously the next shoe to drop, but I think the next thing with Chris Paul, and I had DeAndre Ayton momentarily on my list. I just ultimately came down that he's not a big enough star player to matter as much as others. Um, But the Suns are going to be talked about next week because I think probably the best time to trade Ayton or or Paul will be in the lead up to the draft or on draft night. So, Uh, Do you have uh, any final ones? Nope. That's my list. All right, here's here's our big list. It ended up being eleven guys, but uh, technically twelve. But we're just gonna we're gonna fudge this a little bit because Harden uh, and Fertitta ended up being there. Zion Williamson, James Harden slash Tillman Fertitta, Damian Lillard, Michael Winger slash Bradley Beal, Jeff Weltman, whomever is making decisions for the Warriors, uh, Danny Ainge, Chris Middleton, Carl Anthony Towns, and Jalen Brown. That's the list. Is there is there any like Brendan we'll end on this? Is there any like player or team or so we kind of covered like most every team in the league in some way, shape, or form? But is there any team that like we hasn't got that we didn't talk about that you're kind of like eyeing for whatever reason to see if like they pull something out of their hat? There's not any team. I mean, we really almost talked about every single team in the NBA. Um, I have two. Well, one is a team, the Los Angeles Clippers. Hmm. I'm prepared for I, anything I, with Kawhi Leonard. Like, it, you could easily look at it and say, well, we haven't heard anything that Kawhi would be, un, be discontented or that the Clippers would be wanting to move him. But it's like, 
well, we never hear anything from Kawhi Leonard. So why would we have heard that? So if it was like June 29th and all of a sudden Woj tweets, you know, Kawhi Leonard has let, you know, Lawrence Frank and co know that he no longer wants to be with the Clippers or he intends to opt out next, opt out next summer and wants, uh, you know, the franchise to understand his intentions or whatever vaguely worded insidery thing we might hear then it would not shock me. And I also think if things go wrong with James Harden and some of the Sixers backup plans, Joel Embiid is obviously a domino that a lot of people are probably wondering about. And it wouldn't be like the most shocking thing on, on earth if, if he ended up being available in some way, shape, or form between now and next deadline or next summer. The one team and, and player that I kind of came to mind is is maybe not at the level of some of the guys we talked about, but I think a, a big name and, and a big salary number is Zach Levine and the Bulls. I don't really know what the Bulls are. I don't know like what they really want to be. Um, they, they obviously have the Lonzo stuff kind of hanging over everything, and there's talks that they're going to like resign Vooch, and like I don't really know what they're doing. But Levine, yeah. if if he became available, I could see a team being like, yeah, we I can talk myself into to what Levine is, and and use him as a, sure. as a way to reset a little bit. That whoever that's just another name that can mind. Maybe whoever does, yeah, whoever doesn't get Beal is like, yes, we'll try out Zach Levine. Yeah, the Bulls are another one in like very different circumstances. But throw Lonzo Ball on the list with Randall and Nurkic of like anytime you open up the cap sheet for the Bulls to be like, huh, what does Chicago have on its on its plate this offseason? What what might they be able to cook up? And then you're like, oh, their only real tradable salary is Lonzo Ball, who is not movable at all because he may never play basketball again. And it's a huge bummer. And then you remember, okay, the Bulls probably have to kind of roll it back and run it back and figure it out next summer, probably when DeMar is also a free agent and they really could, you know, start to get get some cap space going. But for now, it's just kind of like if they if they renounce Vucevic and uh, and Kobe White, they can get 10 million in cap space. Congratulations. Let's end there. I'm Chris Manning. That has been Brennan Clean. If you, if you, by the way, go down our link below, click our link from our friends at Homage, buy some stuff. Some of that money is going to go back and support the show. A ton of great NBA, WNBA, MLB merch. So again, go down there, click the link, support us, subscribe, rate, review if you have not already um, on your podcast platform of choice. Subscribe and hit the notification bell on YouTube. Thanks again to Jake Stevens and Dylan Heiser for their work on production. Back next week, Eric Garcia Gunderson and NBA Draft Talk. Blazers talk, all kinds of great stuff. We're back after the weekend. Enjoy the hoops, everyone. Talk to you next time.